Good morning, church, both of those of you in the room and those of you watching from home. Join me this morning as we begin our service or this part of it with a word of prayer. Our Lord and our God, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge that you are sovereign over our world and over our lives. We pray for peace in our nation. We pray for wisdom for those in positions of leadership and wisdom and spiritual power for those who are leading the body of Christ. Lord, help us to be committed to your truth, showing your truth and bringing your truth in your way to this world. In this world, we are to be like Jesus. May your kingdom come more on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The call of Abraham, that's what we're looking at uh, this morning in a passage of scripture, Genesis. Back in our Genesis study, those of you who perhaps weren't here, we started this uh, last year in the, in the fall, the book of Genesis. We looked at the first part called part one. In the first 11 chapters, we're going to pick up part two, which is the story of Abraham. Let me say a few words about it before we get to of the scriptures, Genesis chapter, end of chapter 11 and chapter 12. The call to Abraham introduces to us, very, very important, um, this whole idea of promise in the Bible. And And the idea of promise, God's promise, is a central theme in all of the Bible. To this aged and childless couple, we'll see this in a minute, those of you who don't know the story, God offers them not a hand up, not a leg up, not a little um, break from the, the difficulties. God offers them a whole new way of life, a way of life that is built on uh, not human potential, point of why he chooses the people he chooses here, but on the promise and power of God. The purpose of this call, we call it the call of Abraham, um, is to create a whole new community. You might say an alternate community of people who understand life, who do life in a different way, in you know, a contradistinctive way than the world around them. They learn what it means to live out of the promise of God. We call this the way of faith. And in Abraham's call, why do we study it? We find the call of faith for all people, including you and me today. We make our way forward, the title of this whole series on Abraham, by learning what it means to rely on God in a world that is organized against promise, okay? Against promise. You have a copy of the Bible, Genesis chapter um, 11, where we kind of where we left off in the fall, Genesis chapter 11, the last few verses beginning in verse 30 through Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, in a message titled, The Call of Abraham. Follow along as I read. Now Sarai, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot and Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household 
to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. The first and most important thing that we learn about the way forward, what it means to live in response to promise, is the importance of hearing from God. Right? You want to be someone who lives in a different way, who responds to what God calls in a world organized against promise, but to live out of promise. This is what it means to, to have a faith, right? In this case, in Jesus Christ. You need to hear from God. What does that mean? Let me say, back up and say something about Abraham. It's actually very challenging, right, for me, maybe for any pastor, to, to talk about Abraham because the more that you know, the harder it is for you to learn. And this is true of a lot of people, but it's certainly true of Abraham. What do I mean by that? Because when I talk about Abraham, especially if you've been in church for any length of time, you, you sort of know the end from the beginning, right? You, 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 you and I, it, we, we think about what Abraham has become. He's this, he's this major figure, not just in Genesis, throughout the entire Old Testament and New Testament, right? He's, a, he's the father of all those who believe. But when we think about Abraham, we, we think about who he became, not where he started. And we, when we think about where he became and not where we started, we lose much of what there is to learn about what it means to live by faith, which is what Abraham has to teach us. Our elder board just got done reading a book um, by a guy named John Perkins. Now, John Perkins is a man today. He's in his 90s. He's an elder statesman. He's one of the great leaders in the body of Christ. He's African-American. He's been doing this for years. He has written now um, 16 books about theology, about race relations, about various subjects. He has, um, he's written 17 books, has 16 honorary doctorates. Can you imagine? He has advised five sitting presidents. He's still alive. He's still at it, okay? John Perkins is his name, okay? But 65 years ago or so, when he was a young dad, nobody knew him. He had nothing more than a third grade education, right? That's where John Perkins started, right? It's, if you really want to know the story of John Perkins, you don't start where he is today. He didn't get there overnight. When John Perkins was a 20-something-year-old man and living now in California, came to know Christ as a 20-something-year-old man, he lived in a world that was organized against him, especially as a black man, right? Same goes here with Abraham. 
When we meet him here in Genesis chapter 12, he's an anonymous, childless, homelandless man that the Lord speaks to for whatever reason God chooses to speak to him. It's important we start the story there, right? Where the Bible starts it. Now, the New Testament, long time later, right, will call him the father of all those who believe in God. Now, think about that for a minute. Even today, in the 21st century, there are more people. There's only three, by the way, monotheistic faiths. What do I mean by monotheistic? In other words, you believe in one God, right? Hinduism is not a monotheistic faith. Buddhism is not a monotheistic faith. We could go down the line. There's only three monotheistic faiths that believe in one, unit, one overall almighty God. Judaism, the Jewish faith, Christianity, the faith we're talking about here this morning, and Islam, monotheistic faith. All three of those faiths, Abraham is a major player. There's more people in the world today who believe in Abraham than believe in Moses or believe in Jesus, right? Abraham had be became the father of all those who believe, yet the development of his faith, part of the point of this series, took many Many years. Between the time Abraham gets this call, here Genesis 12, we just read it, to leave his father's homeland, and the time that Abraham finds a wife for his son Isaac. Some people will look at that as sort of like the, the capstone, the other bookend of his ministry. And 12 chapters later, 65 years go by. Abram is not even called Abraham for another 25 years in this story, okay? Now, we're never told why in this passage God chooses to speak to Abraham, but here's what we know. Here's the only thing we know from this passage. He chooses to hear the words of God in a way that no one else before him or after him heard them. Romans chapter 10, verses 16 through 18. Listen to these words. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. This is commentary from the Apostle Paul. Not all the Israelites accepted the good news, right? But did you wonder if there was good news in the Old Testament? There is. The word good news and gospel are the same thing. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is nobody, okay? 700 years before Jesus. Consequently, Faith, this is his, his lesson, his point. Faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Old Testament new, too, new. But I ask, Paul's get, making a point. Did they not hear? Who? The Israelites. In other words, Christ was preached, right, in his pre-incarnate way. The good news about the coming Messiah, it was preached. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, through the times of, of David, through the times of the kings, through the times of the prophets, it was preached. Did they not hear? Of course they did, right? Their voice went out through, throughout, through the end of the world, right? He quotes. Into all the earth, right? God, the, the voice went up, but people weren't listening, right? You have to hear from God. What we learn about Abraham in this passage, right, is he hears from God. What does it mean to hear from God? Well, it means to hear God's word, right? You're hearing it this morning. You've heard it, many of you, 
All right, many, many times. Then you need to believe God's word. Who has believed our message? The answer is nobody does. Did they hear? Of course they heard it. But how are you hearing the word of God? Are you believing it such that you actually base your life on it, right? Abraham went as the Lord told him, right? He acted on the word of God. Do you? Do I? That's what it means to hear. The way forward, okay? It's a way that's being introduced here. It's not about animal sacrifice. Think about this. The whole sacrificial system of the Jewish people happened um, hundreds of years after this passage, okay? Hundreds of years. There's no Ten Commandments. There's no temple. There's no sacrifice. None of that exists right here, okay? The way forward is not built on animal sacrifice or that kind of system. Listen, it's not built on moral living, right? You don't, you don't, the way forward is not to try to outdo morally the people around you. It's not through the Ten Commandments. That's not the way forward, right? No such thing as those things here. The way forward is hearing God's word. It's choosing to believe God's word and taking action on it. You say, well, Rob, that's very interesting. How do I live out of the promise of God today? How do I hear God? God isn't calling me to move. God isn't calling me to go to um, plant a nation somewhere. No, but God has given you many, many promises, right? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has given us all spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. How about this one? How about peace? God promises you a peace that passes understanding, that's beyond the world events that are around. Do you have that peace? You've heard that verse of Scripture before. Do you have it? Do you live out of it? God promises you wisdom, right? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. Do you have that wisdom in your life? Are you living out of that wisdom? How about strength to face the challenges in your life? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that a reality in your life today? Are you hearing only or are you living out of that promise? How about the forgiveness of sins? Right? Are you carrying around any guilt in your life this morning? Are you hearing the word of God? Are you believing the word of God and living out of it? Right? That's where this journey of faith starts and that's uh, the first thing we learned from Abraham. And let me say this too quickly. I think it was mentioned last week. Guys, the Christian life is a journey. We have, we have four habits. Let me just mention two of them. Spending time with God, right? Are you in God's word every day? You can't, you can't hear it unless you're in it. Then you have to decide to believe it, right? How many have heard the message? Does anyone know? The the message has gone out, but no one's hearing it. Have they heard the message? Of course they have. The word has gone out all over the world as it's going out even here this morning. You have to hear it. Then you need to choose to believe it. You need to spend time with God in his word. You need to spend time with others, right, a group, who can help encourage you and stimulate you and challenge you to believe that word, okay? You need to hear from God. First thing we learn. Second thing we learn in this passage is you need to exchange the known for the unknown, okay? This is so, this is where I think many of us um, are Christians in name only, right? 
So we need to exchange the known for. If Abraham is to be commended for anything here in this opening passage, it's not for anything he accomplished. Here's, he has no resume as far as we know, other than he's, he's an old guy with no kids and he's a nomad. That's all we know about him, okay? He's not commended for his accomplishments. He's not commended for anything that he says. I don't think he says anything in this passage, okay? He's commended for how he responds, right? God made to him, I said this is about the importance of promise. God makes to him some pretty amazing promises. You might even say outrageous promises, okay? Now, these aren't the ones God makes to me, but there's a lesson here. Abraham's a huge figure in the Bible. We're learning about what it means to live out of a promise, but God makes amazing promises. You would say outrageous promises, but I would say this to you, as I just said a minute ago. He makes outrageous promises to you, right? Think about that. The forgiveness of sin, peace in a world that's upside down, joy, right? Spiritual power. I can do immeasurably more than anyone asks or, or, or imagines through the spirit of God that lives in you. That promise is made to you. God makes out, mate or outrageous promises to Abraham, but to receive them, according to this passage, you must leave life as you know it behind, right? That's what he's saying to Abraham. You have to learn to trust me. Abraham, yes, go from your country, your people, your father's household. I want you to leave life as you know it, the, the securities as you know. You need to leave them behind you. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you right now where you are going to the land I will, future tense, show you, okay? You need to exchange the known for the unknown. One writer that I admire said this about this passage. To stay in safety is to remain barren. To live in risk is to have hope. That's what I think this passage is about. To stay in safety is to remain barren. What do I mean by barren? I'm talking about just you know, uh, having children. It's about an unfruitful life. It's about being committed to life as I know it. It's micromanaging and organizing and responding to life as I know it, right? The known. But to stay in safety is to remain barren. To live in risk is to have hope. That's why God says, you need to get out of here. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Some commentary on the same story. By faith, what is faith? Faith is what we're talking about. It's what we're trying to tease out. What actually is faith? Well, it starts with God's word. But then it means acting on God's word, right? See, we've got a lot of people who know a lot. Maybe you know people like that. Maybe you're one of them. You know an awful lot about the Bible. Oh, my goodness. You could out-drill me and others in this room, but you're not living it, okay? That's the challenge. That's the challenge, right? What we're talking about here. It, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. Now slow down. That he would later receive to... That's, a, that's, a, that's not really a true statement in a manner of speech. Abraham, by the way, let me just give you a little snapshot of what's happening. He never receives this land as an inheritance. Personally, it happens through his, the generations that follow him. You know when the people get into the promised land? Remember Joshua and all that? Four 500 years later, right? This is a flyover. This is a brochure, right? Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later, that is his 
great, 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 great grandchildren, right, would receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Okay, I'm not just talking about geography, but in other words, he doesn't know where God is calling him to go, where God is going to take him in his life. This is what it means to live by faith. This is a, this is a crazy promise. That's what I want. I want. I want us to just take a minute. I comes to this man. You're supposed to, to, to reflect on it. Comes to this man out of gas in a manner of speaking. That's why it mentions there's no children in his life. It's a point to make. It's unusual. They're kind of, you know, they're, they're this older couple, don't have any kids. That's just another knock against them in this culture. And here they come, and God comes to this man, doesn't say, I want to give you, you know, I want to throw you a bone and give you a house and a in a, in, you know, in this neighborhood. I want to I sort of, um, you know, make life a little bit easier in your, in your aging. Here's what God says to him. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. Every, you're gonna, every person you touch is going to be blessed, and anyone who has a bad word against you is going to be cursed. Can you imagine how crazy, in a sense, and how outrageous this promise is? Okay? If God came to me, now I, I'm, Abraham's in his 70s, I'm in my 50s. But since Abraham lives to be over 100, let's just say we're kind of equivalent for the sake of this illustration. If God came to me and said, listen, Rob, that's what I want you, this is what, it doesn't come to me in a dream. I'm not saying to you guys, guys, I had a dream last night. Because, you know, we all have crazy dreams. You know, I fly in my dreams, I'm rich in my dreams, whatever, okay. Our dreams are, our dreams are our dreams. But if I said to you guys, listen, I'm as serious as, as I could. This was the middle of the day in my kitchen. God came to me. The lights came down. Lights, camera, action, angels. I was freaked out. The word of the Lord came to me and God said to me, he used my name. I know who you are. And I have a couple things I want to tell you, Rob. You, Rob Catalani, are going to write the great American novel of your generation. You're going to write the great Gatsby in a year from today. It's going to be published. Point one. Point two. You are going to be, sometime in the next handful of years, the president of the United States. Now, let's just say, Kathy's shaking your head, you don't want to be the president of the United States. Okay, let me say something about that. You, if that really happened to me, I'm almost confident, pretty confident, because I, I, it's never happened to me, of course, but that I wouldn't have the courage to tell you or, or virtually anybody why wouldn't I? I'm saying this thing really happened, just hypothetically. My lights, camera, I'm in my living room. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it happened. I'm not dreaming. I'm not drinking. I'm, it's real, okay? Why wouldn't I? Because if I told you that, even if you were my best friend and I was serious as I could be, you'd humor me and you'd, you'd get in your car and you'd go, he's lost his mind. He's done as our pastor. Okay, seriously, of course you would say that. Let me just say something, guys. This is bigger than that. This is bigger than that. I'm going to make you into a great nation. What? I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless those who bless you, curse anyone who curses you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay. If we ever, now, by the way, why is this so difficult for Abraham? 
And it's interesting that God actually doesn't tell him where he's going to go or what this promise is even. Why is that? In fact, it's interesting that in this opening um, call, children are actually never even mentioned. Now, we know this is where it's leading. That's why Sarah and Abraham are child. Children are never mentioned. Why is that? I think this is why. Because if God, this is the, the principle of faith, if God actually told you what he wanted to do with you or where he wanted to take you, my point, you wouldn't believe it, okay? You wouldn't believe it. It's only when Abraham gets into the promised land, right? This passage is compressed, but he eventually goes to Canaan and he gets there that God uses the word offspring. Now that you're here, and you've actually left your homeland and you've left your, you've done these really hard things. You've changed the known for the unknown. You're living without a net in a manner speaking with me. Now I'm going to say the word that you, 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 it's too hard for you to hear. You're going to have a kid. So is your wife. Okay. This is what God does with you. If we ever needed, to, I think, if we ever needed a time to, to exchange the known for the unknown, I wonder if it's not now. I had a conversation with a friend, um, like you did, some of you did, about what happened this past uh, you know, Wednesday night or whatever it was in, in our capital. And this conversation, which I thought was going to be five minutes, turned out to be two hours. And it was heated. And it was, you know, it was, it was, it was um, full of a lot of fear and a lot of um, 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 anger. And, and what this friend was saying to me is, listen, Rob, based upon what we know, this is what I think is going to happen over the next two years or three years. Based upon what we know in Washington. Based upon what we know in, the, in, in our community. Based upon what we know, what's happening in the culture. This is what I think is going to... And I did a lot of listening. I agreed to disagree on some points. But here was the big point I wanted to say to him and say to you. Yes, based upon what we know. A world that's organized against promise but here's the thing about the known exchanging the known for the it changes very very often the known i'm talking about the world without the promise of god just looking at the world the way it is looking at the systems of the world looking at the 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 economics of the world looking at the calculus of the world this is what i'm going to base my life on and the best a plan i can come up with is this one right that's not the way to live your life if you want to experience the life that God offers. That's what we're talking about here. You have to exchange the known in a manner of speaking. The things you, you, you think are so important. You know, we've, even when we think about the world that we live in, I'm all for making the world a better place. I hope you are. We need to do that. Thy kingdom come, thy, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me say something about the world that we live in. It's not the kingdom of God. If this was my kingdom, Jesus said, then I'd have my, 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 my followers would fight. My kingdom is not of this world. Last point. What does Abraham do? Hears from God, exchanges the known for the unknown. He builds an altar to the Lord. So interesting. But he builds an altar to the Lord. As I just said a minute ago, think about this. When I talk to you about the promised land, getting into the promised land, and there is a spiritual application for that. The New Testament uses it. What is the promised land for you and me? It's not a geography somewhere in anywhere in the, in the world that's sort of this you know, um, um, hermetically sealed, beautiful, circumscribed geography where there's no sin. That's not what the promised land is, land of milk and honey. The promised land is spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. 
That's what it is. It's, it's, it's spiritual power. It's depth and breadth of the forgiveness of sin. It's joy and peace. It's the fruits of the spirit. This is the promised land, okay? But Abraham gets to the promised land actually in almost no time flat, right? We, we often see in, in the Old Testament, we see the promised land as something that happens generations later. It's not just one guy and his wife. It's several million people who leave Egypt through all the difficulties and then have all these challenges in the wilderness for 40 years and then in getting over into the promised land. It's a huge production, right? Well, Abraham gets there in no time flat. He takes his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, their possessions, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Canaan is a, another uh, way of talking about the promised land. That's what they called it. And they arrived there. He gets there. He explores the land. And, however, he doesn't possess it, right? He doesn't stay there for the rest of his life. It takes 400 years. But here's what does happen here. God appears to him here, right? Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, you see, God spoke to Abram in the Ur of the Chaldees, where he was living, whatever that means. He spoke to him, but he appears to him here, right? And it's here, as I said a few minutes ago, that God says to your offspring, I will, let me tell you how I'm going to work this out, Abraham. You don't have it all right here, but you and your wife, you are going to have children, okay? More to come, but you are going to have children. But he didn't get that promise there. He had to hear from God. He needed to believe God's word. You need to walk out and begin to live out of those words. And then you need to learn day in and day out how to exchange the known for the unknown. And then what does Abraham do here? With only the promise of God. That's all he has. All he has is the promise of God. Right? Even the Canaanites, verse 7, 6. At that time, I'm sure this is there for a reason, the Canaanites were in the land. You know what the Canaanites are? We'll learn more about this as we go on. They are the, you might say, the antagonists, the enemies, the, the, those who are, you might say it this way, organized against the promises of God. So Abraham goes to the quote-unquote promised land, but it's full of people who are organized against the promises of God, who don't believe in the promises of God, who think that's the dumbest thing they've ever heard. All Abraham had is the promise of God. But with only the promise of God, he plants his flag, right? To your offspring I give this land. So, with just that promise, he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is worship, guys. This is where it starts. And what is worship? No temple, no tabernacle, no animal sacrifice system. That all comes and goes. What stays, Abraham, is the father of all those who believe, is simple worship, which is simply making a commitment where you are, in the place where God has called you, in a world organized against promise to say, I'm going to live out of the promise of God. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to live as if this is a reality in my life, right? Out of gratitude and devotion to God. Let's close with these words, Romans 12. 
Paul saying the same thing. Say, Paul picks up this very reality, talks for great length about Abraham in the book of Romans chapters 4 and 5, and then he says this in chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in other words, because of God's love for you, it's about what God has done for you and is doing for you, to offer your bodies, your life, as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. Why is it a living sacrifice? This is your true worship. Because there's Canaanites in the land. The world is organized against the promises of God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will. His good and perfect and pleasing will. You have to be committed to truly hearing the word of God. Listen, if you're not reading it, you're not going to hear it. And then you've got to begin to meditate on it and believe it. And you begin to actually believe it when you start acting out of it, right? Doing what it says and trusting him. You need to every single day, friends, learn what it means to exchange the known for the unknown, Right? It would, there, were, there, were, there were dozens of reasons, dozens of reasons. If Abraham did go, go, to, go to ask his buddies about whether or not what this promise that God gave him made any sense, was, was actually doable, was ever going to be, who was ever going to take him seriously, right? If, you, if that's how you respond to the promise of God in your life, let me tell you something, you'll never get anywhere in this world. Because the Canaanites, so to speak, are in the land. The people, including your own mind and your own heart, are organized against the promises of God. You've got to hear from God. It's his word about you, not your word about yourself. You need to ex- learn how to exchange every day the known for the unknown. And you need to live, you need to build an altar in a manner of speaking. Out of your life needs to become a living sacrifice, a demonstration that God has given you great things. He's made great promises to you. And day in and day out, you claim them by faith against a world that says no. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to be here. I thank you for, Lord, just the, uh, the opportunity to look into this story, to begin it, to look at the story of Abram, who was... I'm sure chosen, Lord, because he had very little in the way of accomplishment. He was not a man of great rhetorical skills as far as we know. But Lord, he was someone who was willing to hear your words and to believe them, however outrageous they may have seemed, and to exchange what he knew about himself, what he knew about the world, for what you said about him. And was willing to live out of your promises for his life. Lord, help us, even today in the world that we live in, help us, Lord, to think seriously, hard, and about where you're calling us as individuals, as a church. Help us, Lord, to 
look first not to, you know, the, the world that we live in, but to look to your word and to ask, Lord, what it is that you are wanting us to do. What are you calling us to do? Help us to truly hear from you and to know what it means to live in response to your words for our lives. Lord, that we too might become people of faith. We might become a greater community of faith that shows this world a different way, a better way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.